Hi everyone, welcome. My name is Anne Lescure. I am a research and advocacy intern at the Global Network of Women Peacebuilders, also known as GNWP. I am here with Katrina Leclerc, GNWP's Girl Ambassador for Peace Coordinator, and Prativa Canal, GNWP uh, Core Wise Fellow. So we're here to talk about uh, the work of GNWP and more specifically the Girl Ambassador for Peace program. Uh, so I will let my colleagues Katrina and Prativa tell you a little bit more about that. So, um, ladies, can you please give us a little quick overview of the Girl Ambassador for Peace program work and where uh, it is implemented? Sure. So I'm Katrina. I'm the global coordinator of the program, but more specifically uh, in the DRC and the Democratic Republic of Congo and in South Sudan. So the program itself was founded in the DRC in 2014, and it's based on a three-tiered approach. And so the first tier is the literacy and numeracy component. And so that's where we take uh, girls who are already literate, so usually high school or university graduates. In these contexts, mostly all are high school graduates. Not very many of them are able to attend university, but some do. Um, and they are, are taught by local teachers how to to teach literacy and numeracy since they already have acquired those skills. The second tier is the leadership tier, and that is where we teach uh, numerous amounts of leadership uh, skills and also uh, things about the international community. So for example, the UN Security Council Resolution 1325, CEDAW, the Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against Women, and anything that has to do with international women's rights, their rights in their in individual countries and in their regions. And the third tier is about capacity building. So capacity building is quite different depending on the area or the year of the implementation. So in the DRC, for example, uh, the girls have done media and technology workshops. They've done theater productions in South Sudan. Now in uh, different areas of the DRC, they're doing economic empowerment. And in Indonesia and Bangladesh, they're doing economic empowerment and violent extremism. But I'll let Prativa talk more about that. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you, Anne, and thank you, Katrina. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Prativa, and I'm the Kora Wise Peacebuilding Fellow here at the Global Network of Women Peacebuilders, and I'm originally from Nepal, so uh, much of my work, like I'm focusing on uh, Asia. So I'm coordinating, uh, as Katrina said earlier, I'm working coordinating this Girl Ambassador for Peace program in uh, Indonesia and Bangladesh. So in Indonesia, what uh, like we are basically focusing on the issue of violent extremism, but also on the uh, issue of violent extremism through uh, empowering women in um, economic empowerment. So we are basically implementing it in two provinces uh, and two places known as Lamungan in East Java and Poso in Central Sulawesi, Indonesia. And uh, these are the places where uh, like most of the perpetrators of the Bali bombings that happened in 2002, they are currently residing. And um, uh, Lamungan is also the place uh, near Surabaya where the recent uh, terrorist attacks uh, in the churches happened. That was on uh, May 13. So like in these places, what happens is the, uh, recru the recruitment of terrorists, uh, they, they, they start at the Islamic boarding schools and the young women and girls, they are often... Uh, married to the former terrorists or jihadists. So uh, the group of young women and girls with whom we are working are hence very vulnerable of these two things, like either being recruited as terrorists or 
uh, either being married off. So that, that is what uh, we focus on Indonesia. And on in Bangladesh, we are uh, you know that due to the recent uh, influx of the Rohingya refugees in Bangladesh, we are currently trying to work with this population also, uh, work on the issues of peace building, but uh, like uh, with the help of like social cohesion between this host community and the refugee Rohingya young women and girls. So that is what our focus in Bangladesh is. All right, thank you. Um, so our listeners might wonder what what makes the girl ambassador for peace different um from what i i hear jnwp does so many different things how what what's it's uh this this special recipe what why does it why is it different yeah so indeed jnwp does a number of different programs i think the two biggest things that makes the girl ambassadors for peace stand out is for one uh the focus on young women and girls mm -hmm. so there's a lot of peace building work and a lot of promotion of peace and the the UN Security Council uh, resolution 1325 and the suite of resolutions really brings on the uh, participation of women and, and the advocacy for women's participation in peace processes and political participation and whatnot. But there are little amounts of projects that actually focus on young women in this age group. And so that is one of the big differences about the Girl Ambassadors for Peace. But the other big difference, and I think that that kind of attests to the success of the program, is the concept of the trainees, who are the Girl Ambassadors, become trainers. And so the program itself is implemented in the communities, in the rural areas, by the girls themselves. It's not someone from outside that comes in and tells the communities how they should live their lives. It's really the girls that decipher and, and are the filters for the information they've been given to their communities. And they act as that agent, really, the agent and the ambassadors of peace in their own community. Uh, thank you, Katrina uh, and Anne. As you said that uh, the GA4P, it brings like it is an inter intersection of the program between youth and women. So what I would like to share here is that we're not only trying to implement the resolution 1325, but at the same time, we're also trying to implement the resolution 2250. And I think this is uh, the unique thing which makes the program like very different than other programs which are already being implemented. And what I wanted to focus is that there are some uh, lackings in the resolution 1325. For example, it does not uh, speak about partnerships and also while working together with young women and girls, uh, I think that the resolution 2250, what it brings uh, is that it speaks about partnerships with various, uh, like among the same peer groups and among various networks. So so that is, that is also one thing which makes it very unique. It is not just a network of young women and girls, but it also helps to uh, create networks with the different uh, UN agencies, civil society stakeholders, or local authorities. So yeah, th I think that's uh, the partnership between various organizations uh, is what makes it very unique. All right, thank you. Um, what I'm also very interested in knowing is what attracted you personally to get involved in the coordination of the program. Yeah, I come from Nepal and you know you know that uh, it's a conflict affected it's it was a like conflict affected country and we had like 10 years of war. So in in Nepal I used to I worked closely with uh, the marginalized and conflict affected women and girls and what during my experience there what uh, I found was 
there are many horrible cases of single women uh, young women without citizenship like which made it very difficult for them to access various kind of privileges given by the state and also there were uh, young women with lifelong reproductive health problems and uh, they were not being able to treat it because of their economic situation and all but what what I used to think was it was very hard for them to bring uh, for them to speak out these issues to other people and mm -hmm. uh, we used to do like uh, we used to do it using the methodology of psychosocial counseling but as you know that uh, the counseling is also like it it takes a lot of your energy and is also very expensive uh, and and still that even after the counseling uh, the girls would not speak but and then I always used to think as to like what could be a like very relevant you know methodology for these girls to be able to speak and then when I came uh, at GNWP and when I came to know about this program I really thought that this was a very unique initiative because I felt that uh, the like the GA4P the girl ambassador for peace um, with the help of their skills in literacy education economic empowerment social media and playback theater uh, they could easily gain confidence of these kind of you know marginalized women uh, who are not able to express themselves because they are because the girl the group of girls they belong to the community themselves like they are the local population and also with the local knowledge already existing local knowledge and uh, also they are like engaged in a more long term it's not like you know one month two months six months but they are there from the very beginning and because of their long-term engagement I think uh, these things like the modality and the methods which the girls are using would uh, make it very easier for the like marginalized women to speak out their things like um, uh, and also yeah this was this was one thing which really motivated me to coordinate the program so that I could you know like learn from this experience and then go back to my country and apply the methodology okay. yeah Okay, thank you. And what about you, Katrina, and, and DRC, so the Democratic Republic of, of Congo in South Sudan? What, what attracted you to, to this region specifically and in general to the Girl Ambassador for Peace? <laughs> so I think the first thing, obviously, is the approach. So the approach that is so focused on young women and how how it's it's unique in the sense that the age group and the, demogra the demography of the girls is so different. Um, the, Pratifa kind of touched on this. The, the sustainability of the program is something that really attracted me because I've done quite a number of academic research on peace building and, and peace education and human rights. Um, and often the biggest critique is that there's a lack of sustainability, that there's a lot of projects but not a lot of programs. And that's mm -hmm. something that we're trying to also kind of advocate at the international community, that they need to start funding programs rather than funding projects so that they're long-term and they actually can have a durable solution. So I really like the sustainability model and how the girl ambassadors and the local partners are invested. The fact that the girls go out and are the ones to actually implement it in the communities and are the agents in the communities and that the communities know that these are the resources that they have and these are the people that are their resources makes for an active uh, community. And the way that GNWP does it makes it so that the girls themselves have agency within the program. The other thing is the alternative approach to empowerment. So often in academia, there's a lot of critique about empowerment models because of the fact that 
empowerment is seen as having to go and empower someone or going and empowering a girl to be able to have a voice where GNWP doesn't believe that. And that's not what we do with the girl ambassadors. Instead, we go and we do believe the girls all have a voice. Every single person has a voice and they have something to say. It's just that you need to make the space for them to say it. And often, especially in the DRC, I've noticed this quite often, the girls are extremely shy at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then as things progress, they become very vocal about their opinions. And they sh they've told us this over and over again, that the biggest problem to in the hindrance to peace and women's empowerment in those areas is that women don't see themselves as actors of change in their communities because they're told and they're, they're, they feel repressed and they're told that they're not supposed to be speaking out. And so instead of empowering them, we're making us the space and bringing, uh, the, we're aligning the stars basically for them to be able to empower themselves. So I really like that approach. And the other thing is I'm a Canadian woman who has never had any problems with anything economic in my lifetime. I'm overly privileged and I think it's a very big responsibility that all of us have within our socioeconomic spectrums to be able to help wherever we can. Not the sense that we have a white savior complex, because I do think that that's detrimental to peace building work, but the, in the sense that we have to be able to help in the capacity that we're able to help in, in either investing in sustainable programming, lending our own voices to those who need it, those who want it, those who ask for it, and not imposing different things. And so really what came to touch me and how I got involved in the first place was the access to education. Both my parents were school teachers, now principals. Uh, access to education has always been a huge, huge uh, area of mine. And so the fact that 99% of young girls in, the, in South Sudan and even young women in South Sudan have never even held a pencil was atrocious to me. And so we had to do something to change that. All right. And you're going to see it with your own eyes very soon because Katrina will be traveling to DRC this summer. And yeah. this is also a time when you're going to be, you're going to, it's going to be an opportunity for the GNWP team and Katrina to see how GNWP is making, uh, and the Girl Ambassador for Peace specifically, is making a difference on the ground and to evaluate successes and challenges and talk with the people on the ground. So Katrina, can you, can you uh, continue uh, talking about how you evaluate successes and challenges uh, uh, and, and talk uh, maybe a little bit about your trip as well? Yeah, of course. So I think the biggest thing about our successes is is, um, is the individual success that it brings to the girls and then the impact it has on the community. So the girls have had throughout the years, because I said at the beginning that the program has started in 2014 in the DRC. And so now it's been it's been four years. Um, we've seen a significant difference between the girls from four years ago and now. More specifically, recently, in, in a few weeks ago, one of our girls traveled to Paris for the OECD Global Forum on Gender Equality and Development. And so that was a huge turnaround for the girls. No one mm -hmm. had ever traveled outside of their country to go and present to a number of stakeholders and to be on a panel with high-level officials and different diplomats and government officials from around the world. Like, that's, that's a huge success, not only for the girl herself, but for the community of where she's going back and, and the people that she knows. It's encouraging to see that she has a voice and she's able to use it. 
Another example that that I'd like to bring forward is recently I got a message on Facebook from one of our girls who was actually the leader of, of our media and technology um, component when we were doing it in South Sudan two years ago. And she messaged me on Facebook to let me know that she had received a grant. And I was like, oh, that's very interesting. And she goes, yeah, I got a grant to study medicine. And so now I can actually go and become a physician. And so that's another one of our examples of how this this program promoting education, promoting women's empowerment and having access to education actually brings the girls themselves into a different mental state to being able to believe in themselves and see that the different capacities that they do have, but also to change their community and even their home. Before that, her family previously didn't even believe that girls should even get a post-secondary education. And now look at her, she's become a, a physician. So I think that's incredible. And the other thing that I think is very interesting, even with that story, is that we do preach a lot and we teach a lot about technology and using computers and using the Internet and, and using that as a tool and even a communication tool. Um, and that's just one of the examples. I, I think Prativa will agree with me that we talk to these girls almost every single day, whether it be on Facebook, on Twitter or WhatsApp or even on Skype. The fact that we're teaching them these things and the fact that they can actually communicate with us regularly on these different platforms shows that they're actually endorsing this and that this is useful to them. They're using it to communicate amongst themselves. They're using it to communicate with us and to become actual global actors. The other thing that I think is it shows the success that we've had, especially in South Sudan, is that unfortunately over almost two years ago now, the girls, uh, there was an outbreak in the war and almost all of our girls were relocated to Uganda in, in different refugee camps. And the biggest one that they're in still right now, two years later, is the Reno camp in West Nile of Uganda. And the girls are so resilient. Like, I tip my hat off. I can't believe how resilient they are. They continue to do the trainings in the refugee camps without any resources and without any access to technology. We get this information from our global coordinator in that country because he travels to different, different cities nearby to be able to let us know and to send us different photos and all of these things. But it's incredible the resilience and the dedication that they have to go out of their way in such difficult circumstances to actually implement the program that they believe so deeply in. Thank you. That's, uh, that's, that's so interesting. Um, and congratulations to this uh, young woman. Um, what about you, Prativa? What um, can you tell us a little bit about about uh, your, mm -hmm. the program in Bangladesh, in Indonesia? Yeah, sure. So yeah, like Katrina said earlier, uh, in the training, like in the first, so we have this five days of capacity building training, like as a kick, like you know, to start the program. So what we found in a, talking about generally, what we found is that. In the first one or two days of the training, the girls are very, because they are from the, they are the girl, young girls from very remote area. So, and you know, like when a foreigner goes there and like we are providing training, they're very shy to speak, like in the very first one or two days. But at the end of the five days training, they were like all 30 girls or let's say like all, we are, we have like 62 girls in Indonesia. All of them were very active and you cannot imagine that they were already crying at the end of the program, you know, like because they were sharing their rooms with their uh, peer groups. They were not only they gained the knowledge, but they were also like developing friendship and network. So they were, you know, like it was a kind of connection. It was this was a general thing which we noticed. And then uh, talking about specifically what we noticed was 
in one of the training in uh, Indonesia, like there was this girl of 19 years old. And what she said, like after all these sessions on economic empowerment and all, what she said was like, what are, she asked us this question, like, what are we going to do with all this kind of knowledge and all when we are going to get married, when we reach at the age, when we reach uh, at the age of 21 or 22, you know, like, and we were kind of very hesitant, like, she's just 19 and she has already started to think about her marriage while she like this should be the age of you know like gaining education and all and we were very like doubtful we were sensitive but then what happened is like after the po and we were also doubtful that she would not be actively engaged in the post training phases but then she is one of the most active uh, participant and also she was the like katrina said earlier like we also provide opportunities for the girls to travel so she was also one of the uh, girl who participated uh, in uh, in the round table discussion in jakarta the capital of indonesia and believe me that for most of the girls like out of 10 girls uh, for like I think for nine of them it was the first time to re to go to their capital country also capital place also the the girl ambassador for peace is a truly life-changing experience and and I think from what you're saying it's it's a life-changing experience for the girls but also for you because mm -hmm. you guys are yeah incredibly passionate and and this is this is absolutely uh fascinating uh what I'm also interested in knowing it. What's the next step for the Girl Ambassador for Peace? Now, it's it's a quite young program, um, but what what are the new challenges and what what are the new goals and, and what what's uh, what's what's in for the next couple years uh, for the Girl Ambassador for Peace? Katrina. Mm -hmm. So I can talk maybe more so in the next couple months, actually. So you were referring earlier to our, our upcoming travel to the DRC in the North Kivu territory. So what we're doing there is actually the economic empowerment of the of the girls. And so what we're trying to do for the next couple months and over the next few years or two is really showing the young women and giving them the first-hand experience as to what it means to be in the workforce and how to approach that and to become more economically independent. Thank you, Katrina. What, what about you, Pratita? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, like Katrina said that uh, they are working in DRC, they are working on economic empowerment. So in Indonesia also, we have in Indonesia, we have already completed this phase, like we had the five days training and all, and then we have already provided them with the skills of economic empowerment, life skills, like how to provide entrepreneurship skills and all. So the next step now is that the girl, they have already divided themselves into various groups. So uh, each group, they will go into their communities, like back to their communities. And the first trip they are going to do will be the kind of assessment, like what are the possible uh, economic empowerment opportunities in that particular area, like given the, you know, considering the resources, time, the uh, capacity of young women and girls like who are not educated. So they will do the assessment first and then with the help of the local expert on economic empowerment, like on economy, uh, they are also going to provide sessions on like how to plan, like how to produce things, what are the skills of marketing, so things like that. Um, uh, and also in Indonesia, we are trying. We are also trying, or we might work in the issues of Rohingya because currently we are also we are only working in Bangladesh related to Rohingya issues. So in Indonesia, what we found is that it's not a host country for the Rohingya, but the Rohingya women and girls they are living as a like they live in Indonesia, especially in the area called Ake, uh, as a tra like 
during their transit for example let's say they are going to australia and you know like while well, their documentation and all so what we are trying what we want to do is the girls who are staying there in transit we want to provide them with the economic uh, skills so that the so that it doesn't become a burden to the host country also because they they will be mm-hmm. receiving the girls with who already have the econo- skills of economic empowerment so yeah these are the few things and i think for especially in bangladesh and indonesia the rohingya issue is the like most you know like this is the issue which we are going to focus on thank you katrina and prativa for taking the time to talk about the girl ambassador for peace program today uh Thank you Anne. Thank you so much for providing us with this opportunity. Thanks so much. <laughs> and thank you to our listeners for uh tuning in. Um up next is our interview with Rhoda uh from the Girl Plus Ambassador for Peace program in the Philippines. Hi everyone. Welcome. I am here with Rhoda May Castle. She's a member of the Girl Plus Ambassador for Peace in the Philippines, which is a youth training on women, peace and security and a capacity building project of the Global Network of Women Peace Builders. But very most importantly, last week Rhoda was elected as Karawad of Barangay Ban Riverside in the region of Butuan in the Philippines. So, we are here today to learn more about Rhoda's background. her experience as a young female candidate running for the local elections and her ambition for the next three years as an elected official. Rhoda, I'm very happy to discuss with you today. So let me, ask, let me start sorry, by asking you to tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay, hello. Um, I am Rhoda May Casil from the Philippines. member of the Girl Plus Ambassadors for Peace. I am 24 years old, a teacher by profession. So, meanwhile, I am now connected in a people's organization in our city as a volunteer, which covers eight communities and focusing on empowerment and providing different services. So, I am also representing youth sector in different national and local mechanisms. such as the National Anti-Poverty Commission, the Regional Juvenile Justice and Welfare Committee, the Police Regional Office as a member of the Advisory Council, a, also a member of the Regional Youth Advisory Council, and a convener of the Community Advocates for Resiliency and Empowerment of Survivors. So, I really love serving people. because I was once a beneficiary of such services offered in our community. So, I am a former sponsored child of the World Vision Philippines. So, they, they paid for my tuition fees from elementary to college and even molded and empowered me. And with that, I wish to spread or replicate the empowerment to people, especially women and the other vulnerable Thank you, Rhoda. That's uh, that you're one busy woman. Uh, <laughs> uh, now, can you give me a little background specifically on one of your roles? So, the Girl Plus Ambassador for Peace and how long you've been involved with them. So, it's been four months already with, uh, as a member, of, as involved in the Girls Plus Ambassadors for Peace because we were just created last February 19, 2018, earlier this year. Um, mm-hmm. It was 
Um, it was a training uh, attended by 28 young women across the Philippines. So I, I am one of them. And that represents the sectors from the academe, civil society, security, local government, and the indigenous people. So, so the training actually paved the way for the creation of the first Bless Ambassadors for Peace in the Philippines. So this is a network composed of the women leaders who attended the, the said training. So our network also, um, the avenue for the youth to engage, not just with the members of their organizations and localities, but the Philippines as a whole in upholding the said principles through the use of the social media. All right, um, Rhoda, so now I uh, would like to talk about your recent election as a Karad of Barangay Ban Riverside in the region of Butuan in the Philippines. So congratulations, first of all. Um, and what I'm very interested in is to know what motivated you to run in the local in the local elections. All right. So actually, um, it's the trust of the people that motivates me to run. So they're pushing me to run, even though sometimes um, we have that doubt in ourselves. I admit that. So the people in our community keeps on cheering me and always believing in me. And another thing is that I wish to use my connections to share my knowledge on empowering women leaders. I learned from the seminars and trainings I attended. And most importantly, I really wanted to serve people, especially in the grassroots. So we know that um, their smiles are really priceless. So, And I, w I was actually challenged knowing the fact that out of 25 aspirants or candidates in our community um, who wish to to be a kagawad in our lokan, um, in our place, only three women run. So I finally decided to run as, as much as I wanted that there should be a woman, woman in the county. So that's it. All right, so that must have been, you must have uh, experienced challenges uh, as a yeah. young female candidate, three out of 25, is that what you said? Um, yeah. what, what, so what, tell, tell us a little bit about these main challenges. Okay. Um, I think it's only one that sometimes I tend to think negative. It's so personal. Um, sometimes I, I tend to think negative, coming up with the questions if I could really get the spot. Since I am the youngest among 25 of us, and that we are 25 candidates and only seven can be given a chance to serve. But on a lighter note, during our caucuses or rally, I always let the people know that I have in my heart my favorite Bible verse, which really fits me, saying that um, since I am the youngest, so I... Um, I have this favorite Bible verse, which is the Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example to the believers in speech and love, in faith, and even in action and in purity. All right. Thank you. Um, now, as a newly elected counselors, I'm very interested in knowing what are your priorities and how do you wish to accomplish them? Um, actually, as a local counselor or the youngest one, um, especially during the caucuses and rally, um, I already state that I am a woman advocate. And 
I wanted that every woman in our place will be empowered, that um, they will know their rights, can stand on their own. Um, although um, the women in our community are already organized, I want to strengthen the group so that by the time that my term will end, they can replicate it to other women, especially to the young ones, because the young ones need really need um, guidance. Um, I will provide um, capacity building projects and have consultations every month to address their issues and concerns from time to time. Also, I want to accomplish something that is life-changing to every woman by touching their lives so that they can also make a big difference. Okay. Thank you. That's uh, that's an ambitious but very important agenda. <laughs> and do <laughs> and do you see any possible allies in this fight, men or women, specific um, specific organization or other elected officials that can help you put women's right at the forefront of your work? Yeah, I have so many because um, as what I have mentioned earlier, I am working with the people's organization in NRC and I have many um, involvement in a local mechanism. So that's connection actually the groups can help in our locality and it's very important actually to organize the grassroots, not just the women, but the different sectors so that we can fight for our advocacy and agenda. Okay. Um, now, because you are this, the car, the Kagawa is for what I understand to be the most local level of yes. politics in in and uh, in the Philippines. How can you most effectively transport what you're the work you're doing at the local level to the national level, and how can you most effectively localize the national policies? to your local level on women's rights. How does this work? Well, I think this is, um, that's the most important question because um, as we all know, um, how important happenings in the local level is in the grassroots. It's in the grassroots that, um, that the issues are, are rampant. So as a local councillor, I wish to urge um, the governments in the city level and the national to fund peace building that will also cover consultations and peace on the ground um, um, to ensure that they will provide um, resources for capacity building projects such as the workshops on the peace education, um, the gender equality, the human rights to empower the people from all sectors to participate, um, especially in the decision-making processes, uh, that it should be inclusive. Um, by all means, I will localize all the national policies to the grassroots and um, also to inspire the national level, um, ensuring documents that can be considered as best practices in our locality. I will lobby and bring the issues and concerns in our place. Thank you. Um, and now how, because you're going to be a busy woman, so how can you, will you be able to balance your role as a girl plus ambassador for peace and a local councillor? And in the same way, sort of, how can the local council support the girl ambassador for peace? Um, actually, it's not that um, um, big issue about managing the time because I can see that it's, um, um, it's a privilege or because because what um, the agenda of the girls as ambassadors for me 
the same with what I want in our local. Uh-huh. So actually, it's so easy. It's so easy for me to to balance because the, um, I will just integrate um, what um, what are the programs of the girls class ambassadors for peace. What are our plan? So I I will integrate it in whatever activities I will run in our local. For you, it's the same thing, and that that's yeah. that's uh, that shows how passionate. That's an, oppor- <laughs> that's an opportunity, actually. Oh, right, right. That's that's very very good to hear. Um, finally, our final question, because our our time is coming to an end. Um, <laughs> I would like to know uh, for all the young girls and women listening. And for myself as well, what would be your advice for a young girl who would like to enter politics? Um, um, politics is actually not that easy because I, um, it can causes stress because of the issues. But if you really, if you really wanted to serve people, so that it can be your um, the stress will be disregarded. And my advice to my fellow young woman, even if you are young, you can we can really spend. Um, if what are we wanted to fight um, advocacies, um, agendas, um, don't let other people think that we can we cannot do it because as I will just um, I will I will emphasize really my favorite verse that is. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example. We should be an inspiration to others, even those old ones, the ones young, um, not just to the young ones, but also to the ones young, because it's inspiring to see. Because I am working with the, the children, so I am empowering also the children in our community, because as I started as a shy kid, so it's, it's really important to empower that children. So, as for me, you should not let anyone look down on us because we are bad. Set an example. 